Welcome to Fire Trainers Podcast, part of the ConcealedCarry.com network. I'm your host, Rob Beckman, and in this episode, we'll be talking about building a shooting range business. We bring this podcast to support the industry, the Second Amendment, and most importantly, every fire instructor in America that dedicates time and energy into making gun owners more knowledgeable. This episode is also brought to you by our friends at the FTA, the Firearm Trainers Association. Head on over to their website at ftaprotect.com to learn more about their instructor coverage they offer and their competitive pricing. Receive a special 10% off on your policy by entering promo code FTP10 at checkout. This episode is brought to you by the ConcealedCarry.com business directory. Did you know that you can get a free listing for your instruction business on ConcealedCarry.com? Visit biz.concealedcarry.com and add your business for free. It will be searchable online and to potential students who use the ConcealedCarry.com mobile app. Claim your listing today. Today, I'm joined by Graham Williamson, owner of Williamson Gun Traders and Indoor Range in Jessup, Georgia. Welcome, Graham. How are you doing today? I'm doing well, Rob, and hello, everyone. Uh, we really appreciate taking time out of your uh, busy day to come on the podcast, because I think as instructors, some of us uh, have our own ranges and other ones are wondering about, you know, should we be should we try to build our own range? And I think in this episode, really want to go along and speak to somebody who's been there, done it, and can either encourage those that have the proper resources or maybe discourage those people that think it's all, you know, roses, um, you know, by going along, running your own business and having a range with it. So I really appreciate your time. First question I had for you, Graham, looking back to when you, you know, when the range first started, what really drove, uh, drove you as far as wanting to, um, build the range and uh or build the gun business and build the range along with it well the gun business started as something interesting to do and getting getting into and it grew and grew especially back during 2010 11 and 12 i mean those were some pretty good years there but one of the things we figured out is you got to have your own niche in life or something to draw people to you especially if you're in a smaller town like we are i mean we've got a county that's half the size of rhode island and we've got about 35, 40,000 people total that live here. Now, there's plenty of draw within an hour of us, but you've got to have a little bit of something to draw them in. And a range turned out to be a really good thing is a draw attraction for folks. What were you doing before you got into the range or got into the gun business and range? I've run a construction company for about 20 years. Okay. Okay. So you had, you had a little bit of background in uh, building things, to say the least. To say the least, I have uh-huh. built quite a few things over the years. <laughs> And our listeners can't see you, but I can definitely tell that you're not, you know, fresh out of uh, high school or, or college even. You've been around a few years, to say the least. <laughs> uh, that's a true statement. So think about to the time when you were dreaming up the idea of uh, building this. How long did it take you to draw up the plans, get the plans approved, and then, you know, build things out? We probably from start to finish were about six months there. Um there wasn't a lot of approval process for us where we are because there's not, we live in a small town and there's not a lot of government regulations as far as it goes. We were properly zoned as commercial. So that fit in with what we wanted to do. We had a few permits to cover because we did a small expansion on the building to accommodate putting 25 yards of range in because the building just was not long enough. The biggest thing was getting everybody in there and getting their work done. We had to source a lot of our, materials there because we started out with part of a range that we bought from somebody they had uh, a steel a steel backstop range and they had a good chunk of the backstop and several of the stalls 
but we of course still had to do all the engineering and uh, get all our metals to make our plates up and get the block enclosure built and get everything actually put together, which took the longest amount of time. Yeah. It does sound uh, like that would be a, be a long time do, doing that. Um, give us an idea. Was this self-financed or did you have to go to a, a bank to, uh, you know, get, get financing for the expansion? We self-financed this one. Okay. So then, you know, uh, did you look into having bank financing? Uh, we looked a little into it, but we were able to finance it through ourselves. And I had a friend who was, uh, who helped out and provided a little bit of additional financing we needed to finish up towards the end. And, um, he wanted to invest a little money in something, make a little money on it. So I did well for both of us. Well, that's good because I, I got a feeling that for a lot of us, unless we're, um, you know, have, have a family fortune sometimes, uh, you know, building something like that may not be, uh, easy to do. We'd have to be going to the bank financing, which, uh, can be tricky at times. I know for having built large commercial properties and stuff, the banks can be very finicky at moments. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But it sounds like you were in the right place and at the right time to be able to do that and had the, uh, right friends to say the least. Um, question for you, how did you handle inventory? or what kind of inventory do you carry currently? And how did, how do you, did you handle that? Currently? I mean, we have a pretty good inventory. I mean, we've got about 2000 square foot showroom that we've managed to stay fairly good in inventory, but it's been very difficult as of recent, but everybody in the industry knows that probably our biggest challenge these days is having enough ammunition. We've gone back into the manufacturing business, which we were in previously. But even with that, it's just almost impossible. And we've started to see a little downturn on the range due to a lack of ammunition. People just can't afford to shoot or don't want to shoot because it's so hard to come by some of your common calibers. Mm-hmm. Yep. How many uh, guns do you normally have um, in stock at a time? Um, we somewhere between two and 300. Okay. So is that down last year, given the uh, you know big surge in new gun owners? Well, we're actually up. Cause keep in mind, I, I took over the business and had to, had to build it back up in 2019. And I started kind of small and conservative cause the gun world was, I mean, people bought or buy, but it was a boom like at the moment. Mm-hmm. And when you talk about the, your manufacturing your own ammunition, such what kind, what kind of setup do you have, uh, for that, for that manufacturing? Most of our ammunition is run out. We've got a pretty good setup from Dylan running mainly 1050s, one of them, which is an automated machine there. And we, uh, we run out of ammunition. It just, a lot of today depends on what components we can get a hold of. Um, we don't really have a shortage of brass for like remanufactured for target ammo and stuff. More we're running into like primers. Powder has been pretty decent, but even with that, there's only so much you can make a day there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I was at the store today and, uh, was, uh, we expect to see the ammunition, uh, in short supply, but you go down the reloading aisles and my gosh, there's not much there at all. And the only thing that was in, I guess, in well-stocked were the reloading dies, but everything else was, uh, in very short supply. It's, uh, a very interesting time to say the least. What kind of, uh, what kind of other inventory do you uh, carry besides, uh, obviously ammunition and, uh, firearms? Outside of ammunition firearms, we carry a nice line of optics, mounts to go along with them, a nice selection of holsters. We carry some knives. 
we sell a lot of NFA items in the suppressor, like suppressors and such. Those are very popular. Of course, you've got stripped receivers and your general accessories that go with everything. Um, do you do uh, gunsmithing on site? I do not, but I do rent part of the building to a gunsmith who is independent of me, and he actually works out of the back of the building. Okay. So that's a hand-in-glove kind of uh, cooperation, I'm sure, as uh, he brings certain people in to work on their guns, and you you have people that come in there and need somebody to look to uh, work on the guns too. Very that, true. That's a good relationship. When it comes to the uh, training, uh, what kind of training do you offer uh, students that come come in? Well, with how busy things is, I have done the NRA pistol training and rifle training in the past as an instructor, and I've taught the classes. Moving more to focus on the business, I've actually brought in an outside instructor, Brian McCollum, who teaches several classes. He's just getting geared up pretty good into this in the last about three or four months. He does a basic handgun class, and he does a concealed handgun class, which is a little more advanced class for everybody. And those seem to do well, and he's looking to expand into some ladies-only groups. He's got several that just want to do that and a few more advanced series of classes. Does he, uh, does he stay fairly busy? He's actually a full-time truck driver. <laughs> so he's, uh, he's all over the Southeast when he does that, but he's got a, he's got a strong background in guns and shooting. He was a law enforcement officer for about 15 years there where he, uh, got out of that and got into driving trucks. And we usually see him on Saturdays is our typical day. We run a Tuesday through Saturday week at the shop and he comes in on Saturdays and uses our classroom and does everything from one-on-one to group settings. Very nice. Very nice. Um, question, uh, for you and yeah, describe to our listeners a little bit. If one of our listeners, um, and you had, a in need of a trainer, obviously Brian is working for you, but what would be your suggestions to the instructors and trainers that are out there now, if they wanted to approach a, uh, gun store? owner to potentially, uh, you know, teach in their facilities, use their range doing different things like that. Uh, what, what would be your recommendation to them to how to, how to approach the owners to ask for permission? Well, keep in mind that we're a business and there's got to be a benefit for us here and it's got to be mutually beneficial to both sides. So they need to approach them. And if they don't have an instructor, explain the benefits of having one, the additional draw, while we don't make a whole lot off the actual classes there and the use of the facility, it increases the number of folks that come see us in uh, drastically because not only do they come shoot, but they come back and shoot. They buy accessories, they buy guns from us and they get to like the whole atmosphere. They come see us mm-hmm. kind of like free advertising. Yep. Well, it goes kind of both ways too, because I'm sure um, you recommend people that come in and ask about you know a class uh, over to Brian and Brian, when they ask for somebody for a gun they he recommends over to you. What kind of certification would you be looking for for a instructor that would be coming in? Um, obviously, you want them to be certified. I just don't want to say, "Hey, I want to be teaching people um, without any certification." But what what kind would be acceptable, or would you think would be the the best to uh, you know make make that relationship work? I'm looking for. I mean, there's a lot of certifications out there, but for somebody who's they've been through a major name certification either through the NRA or like the U.S. Concealed Carry. And there's two or three others out there that have a, that have a good background. They've got a good criteria they're teaching and that's all established. The other thing I want to make sure is my instructor has uh, insurance out there for anything that happens during his teaching. That's a big thing these days. 
Mm-hmm. And that's one reason why we push the firearms trainers association here because, uh, instructors and their students need coverage and as well as the, uh, owners of the shops where they might be teaching it. So that is good. When it comes to ideas or uh, resources, what, what kind of resources, uh, if somebody's interested in building their own range, uh, would you recommend people uh, look into before, you know, jumping in, uh, feet first into, uh, investing a bunch of money and time into building something that maybe they're not completely fully aware of what they need? Well, first off, the biggest thing is make sure that you know how to finance what you're going to do. Um, unless you're just kind of independently wealthy and want to do something for fun, it doesn't matter if you're doing outdoors or indoors, it can be an expensive endeavor. Um, from the commercial side, make sure your zoning uh, covers what you want to do because there's a lot of places where you can have a private range, but you may not be able to have a commercial range because of the way your zoning is set up there. And lastly, make sure your uh, make sure your clientele is going to support it. I mean, is it just going to be a little dirt burn pushed up behind your place on your on a big piece of property to train people on? Or are you actually going to have it open to the public and let them come in and use it too? Mm-hmm. And then make sure it's in a safe area and. Uh and people can't shoot all over the backstop, all those types of things. Now, did you do this uh, all on your own, or do you have the uh, support of like somebody, uh, a lawyer, an engineer, something, uh, those kind, kind of people to help you? I pretty well did this on my own. I'm okay. with a strong background, and I, I actually went to college for some for engineering um, and did that several years before I forced me to invent life, pulled me away from that. So I've got a pretty good understanding of, of how to put things together and many, many years of experience. I just had to have a little guidance there. And I got that through the form of the NRA has got a nice range handbook there to talks about how to do stuff. And then of course I got a hold of blueprints of how to build a range. And from there it was, it was game on. Mm-hmm. And sounds like you were moving at a pretty uh, quick pace and that you got that all done. Uh, six months, I think you said. It was probably from the time we decided to do it to the time it opened up about six months there. Mm-hmm. And a lot of it's just the coordination and getting everything there and a ton of metal fabrication. <laughs> yeah, I, I can uh, imagine. Um, yeah, are the metal fabrication for the targets or do you use a, use a metal fabrication in a different place? Well, we actually fabricated it all. I've got a brother who was a welder for a long time there. And he came and helped me and I hired another individual who was a welder to come in and help us with the metal fabrication. And we handled most of it in-house, a little bit of it. I took the local metal shop here just for some of the more complex pieces that I needed because they had the, the equipment to actually make a few of them. Well, here's a really tricky question for you to think about. Um, but would you do it again if, if you were going to turn the clock back and with the time you invested, with money you invested, all the joy and heart heartbreak you've probably had over, over the years doing this. Would you, would you do this all over again? If I was going to be in the gun industry, it was a very good move looking at it. If I wanted to stay in the gun industry and stuff, because even during times when things were a little slower on the sales side, uh, we've always had a pretty steady clientele coming in the range. And I mean, it, it helps pays the bills. I can tell you that. That is, that is a good thing because, uh, I know there's a lot of instructors out there that I've talked to from time to time that, you know, we all you know would really love to have our own range, you know, someplace we call our own someplace that, um, we've got all the resources there, but at the same time, uh, not independently wealthy, um, or to have that background, it does seem a little bit intimidating to go along and say, Hey, I'm going to invest, you know, a couple million dollars into doing something and hope that it works. 
I know uh, here in Cincinnati, we've had a really, really nice range that opened up about five years ago, uh, go out of business. And, uh, you know, that, that's one of those things to where that was really nice. They, they had really nice facility, facilities, but not everybody makes it. I've seen, I've seen two of them over in Savannah, Georgia, which we're about an hour away from. They've had two in the last five or six years go out of business. I mean, they were, one of them was a state-of-the-art facility. And then if you go back door, down towards Brunswick, they had a big state-of-the-art facility down there, and it went out too. Mm-hmm. You know, there's balance between, you know, how much do you spend on the state-of-the-art versus how much can you expect the uh, range to bring in to? Well, I mean, financially speaking, they spent over a million dollars on their range. I probably spend $120,000 on it, but I didn't hire somebody to come in. I had the know-how and I thought I knew the people to help me with it. And we managed to put it in on a, on a budget there, which really probably allowed us to survive in the tougher times. Cause I mean, a million dollars is a lot of money to pay back unless you're like someplace that they're running through their day in and day out 24 hours a day. Yeah. That's, that's a large monthly payment on a million dollars, you know, even if you stretch it out 20 years. <laughs> mm. Okay. Well, Hey, uh, Graham got a question for you, but can you name an instructor or a book that you would recommend our audience, uh, uh, get and, uh, you know, to make themselves better, to help them out and what they're doing every day. Well, since we're talking about ranges here, I would highly recommend anyone interested in building one look to the NRA. They've got a wonderful book on it that covers both indoor and outdoor ranges of just about every type there. They discuss your various backstops uh, and ventilation EPA issues. And it's a very enlightening read and it'll answer a lot of your questions before you go too far and possibly make a very expensive mistake in your venture and trying to grow. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's called the NRA range source book. And, uh, I've got a copy of that also, and it is, uh, it is actually very informative. It is. I even, it, I've had it, I've had a copy for about seven or eight years now. I actually pulled it out today to look at something in there. Cause I'm looking at we're at primarily pistol range, but I'm looking at moving up into possibly being able to do rifles by upgrading our backstop. Mm-hmm. Yep. You want to make sure you're doing it safely. And the one thing I found very, very good resource in the range space, uh, range uh, source book is they give you names, websites, uh, contacts when it comes to, you know, backstops, when it comes to the, uh, carriage systems for it, when it comes to designing it, you know, who, you know, most of us would probably say, who would I call? Well, you open up the book and they start giving you names of who you can call around the country for information, different things. So you can actually get, you know, multiple ideas on how you should set up the range. And just like in your case, you know, I need to have a, you know, backstop that'll be rifle rated or rated to a certain amount. Obviously most, uh, ranges are not going to be, especially indoor, aren't going to be 50 caliber rated, but do you allow the, you know, the two, two threes, do you allow the three Oh eights, you know, how far up do you allow it on an indoor range versus, uh, an outdoor range? So that's, uh, that's good. Well, where can people find more out about Williamson gun traders and Graham Williamson? Well, we have a webpage, WilsonGunTraders.com, but we post more of our information on Facebook because it's just easier to stay updated. So if you find Williamson Gun Traders in Justin, Georgia, on our Facebook, we're oftentimes posting things going on on the range and different things we have in the store. Okay. And for our listeners, I will make sure I include the uh, links. So if you're in down in Jessup, Georgia, uh, you can swing by and see Graham at Williamson Gun Traders for it. 
Well, that's a wrap for this episode, and we appreciate your time, Graham, for enlightening our listeners on what it takes to build a range and some of the uh, some of the good things and some of the tough things about owning it. So, thank you. I'm more than happy to help, Rob. I'm always willing to try to give somebody my thoughts and experiences if it can make them uh, a better person and let them do what their dreams won't allow them. That's that sounds good. Well, listeners. Please visit our sponsors, the Firearm Trainers Association at ftaprotect.com and check out their instructor insurance. We talked about before that range owners are going to be looking for having instructor insurance, and that covers not only the range owners, but also you and your students with it in case there is an unfortunate accident during one of your classes. And remember, we're talking not only, you know, any firearm mishaps, but also somebody falls down, bee stings, the, those types of things. You know, think about what could happen during a class. And remember to use promo code FTP10 for 10% off at checkout. Subscribe to our podcast on iTunes, Google Play, wherever you listen to podcasts at, and tell other instructors about it. Follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and like us on Facebook. If you have any questions, input, feedback, suggestions for new episodes, please email us at FTP at concealedcarry.com or leave us a rating and review on iTunes with your suggestion. Remember, we bring you this podcast to support the industry, the Second Amendment, and most importantly, every firearm instructor in America that dedicates time and energy into making gun owners more knowledgeable. Stay safe out there, everyone. Concealed Carry Inc. and ConcealedCarry.com strives to share helpful information and education about gun-related topics, training tips, and other things that may potentially have legal implications for its listeners. The information contained in this podcast is intended in good faith, but it is important to understand that laws vary from place to place, and we encourage listeners to seek local legal advice to understand laws that apply to them. Nothing in this podcast should be misconstrued as legal advice or counsel.